Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are super excited to be with you today. Oh my goodness, my voice just cracked, but we are still super excited to be with you. We have a week one college football preview. BYU has a game this week. We're getting ready for it. Get ready for it with us. Get ready for week one of college football season with us. It is going to be a blast. Before we get into the episode, make sure you're checking out our Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod, where you will find a lot of fun and interactive content going on throughout the games. Make sure you're also hitting up our website, RoyalStrongAndTrue.com, where you will find the incredible weekend watch guides that Jared is putting together. That'll tell you what, when each game is and what relevance it has to BYU's football season. Follow Jared on Twitter at Jared Buckeye. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Let's boo. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here, that's right! Let's back this Bula. Yeah! Ah! Let's go, Wildcat! Let's go, baby. Let's go! We're at a waterfall, dude! Welcome back, listeners. Welcome, welcome, strong, strong to listeners. <laughs> We're trying to get our voices acclimated. We're ready for the fastest fifteen coming yeah. to you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be something special. Let me tell you that. Anyway, welcome back on. Justin and I are currently trying to figure out tennis scoring. Yeah, uh, it's going interestingly. We're watching Serena Williams. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, this match will be over, and yeah. so. What we're saying is completely irrelevant. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I get the sport of tennis. I get how it works. I get, I get the scoring. I guess in like how it's scored, but I don't get why it's scored the way that it's scored. It's extremely confusing, and I will never understand it ever. Yep, uh, I agree. I am with you. Uh, bowling makes more sense. Way bowling more is sense. just math. It's, it's mathematical. It's math. I, we need to go bowling. Let's go bowling again. All right. Uh, let's move on to the episode. Yeah, some let's great podcasting right Actual there. episode, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So we have some news. Dan is not with us, so we can't clean the house. Getting dirty. we can still cover the news. Right? Sure. We yeah, can watch the course. news, flip yeah. it on television. Yeah, the newspaper's like thrown on the floor. It hasn't been swept up or anything. So. Yeah. Well, let's pick it up and read it, shall we? I'm reading a headline or article that says something about the Big 12 is opening okay. up the renegotiation of his television deal. What? What does that mean? So, the Big 12 has talked to ESPN and Fox, their two media partners, and has reopened renegotiation talks. Or basically, they're opening up renegotiation talks. Their contract was going to end, if I'm not mistaken, in 2023. Or 2024. 2024, 25, I can't remember. One of those. It was going to end in a year or two. But they have now reopened that, or they've opened it. I don't know why I keep saying reopened. They've opened that up, and they are going to negotiate, get some real numbers from ESPN and Fox, unlike, you know, John Wilner might want you to think. (laughs) And they will have some concrete numbers to show some Pac-12 schools to maybe, I don't know, steal some teams? I, I would hope so. So the Big 12's current deal... Expires in twenty four twenty five, and okay. so the the time for like open market negotiations is not right now. Right. So what the Big Twelve is doing is 
looking for an extension of its current deal. Yeah. Now, like Justin said, I personally believe this is the entire ploy behind doing this is so that Brett Yormark can go to the Pac-12 members who we assume have a number from the Pac-12 of the deal that they got through with their ESPN that they did like a month ago. Right. Um, Brett Yormark now is going to have a number. And if that number is bigger or probably even similar, right? I would assume if it's similar, you could still sway some of the other schools. I'm seeing reports that what everyone thought the Big 12's numbers were going to be, in actuality, it's about 10 to 15% more. Ooh, I like the sound of that. And we were already expected to be approximately 10 to 15% above the Pac-12. Right. So add another 10 to 15% on top of that, and it ends up becoming, I don't know, like what's how's the math work out? 17 and a half to 20% bigger than the Pac-12, which when you're working in millions of dollars... It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, so obviously we'll have to wait on this. It's going to be probably a couple of months until we get any oh, hard yeah. facts. And even then they'll probably A-rod the whole thing and not give us any real information. But I'm excited because I think Brett Yormark is going to take this to the Pac-12 schools, Four Corner Schools, Oregon Washington, and try to entice them to join the Big 12, which is what we all want, obviously. Oh heck yeah! I think that's gonna happen too. Like you said, this is the whole point. This is the whole reason that they're doing it. And I cannot be supporting Brett Yarmack on this enough. Like honestly, like it's incredible. As much as you know, Pac-12 tradition, Pac-12 after dark. I don't give a rat's booty about the Pac-12 anymore after the way they've treated us for years and years and years. I would not be. I would not shed a single tear of sadness. Many mm. joy though. Yes. If I saw that conference dissolve. Yep. Uh, verbal meme. The guy getting back, he goes backwards into the Rolls Royce as the door closes, and he's just laughing uncontrollably. That that would be us in that situation. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so that's big. That's that's big. But the bigger news will be coming later. Yes. Uh, on to the next piece of news. This one threw me for a loop. Not going to lie. I still do not understand this. So, Justin, you're going to have to help me. Um, <laughs> there's a post on Instagram uh, that detailed a change to the targeting rule, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, that the NCAA has put out. And this post specifically says, uh, it basically just says that a passer of the football is now a defenseless player. And the connotation or the implication of said post made it sound like you couldn't just, you can't sack the quarterback anymore. But Justin, you understand this much more than I do. Shed some light on this. Will there be sacks this year in college football? That post came from the SEC officiating oh, what, Twitter account. What conference? SEC. Oh. Officiating <laughs> Twitter account. It was screenshotted and posted on Instagram. The SEC officiating account did a terrible job. No surprise there. No surprise. Of providing context for this because when I first read it I thought it meant that you couldn't sack the quarterback or even tackle the quarterback at all when he was in the pocket as well but that is not what it's doing it's not a change to just tackling or to the rule of the game it's a change to the specific defenseless player clause in the targeting section of the NCAA rulebook in other words I'm gonna like put away all like my fancy referee talk (laughs) wide receiver 
Okay. We all know now that he is a defenseless player when he is extending for a catch in midair. You can't just spear him in the back or you in the face. You can't spear him in the back. You can't spear him in the face. And you can't take out his legs and helicopter him purposefully. Right. Okay. You can't make forcible contact with your head or with the crown of your helmet or shoulder to below the knees or above the shoulder. Okay. To the head and neck head area. Head and neck area. The QB, while he is in the pocket looking downfield, is now considered like that wide receiver. He is now a defenseless player. So you cannot hit him below the knees with forcible contact. You can, like if you're laying on the ground, reach out and grab his leg or something. Right. Or you cannot hit above his shoulders with forcible contact without it being called targeting. That is a bit of a change now because it is not just roughing the passer as it was before. Mm. Roughing the passer is just a 15-yard penalty and you move on from it. But if you get that targeting call, it's 15 yards, reviewable, and that player could get suspended. Okay, so I feel like that is maybe the biggest part of this rule change is the added threat of ejection yes. and the ability to review the call, correct? Yes. Because we already kind of knew that you can't dive at the quarterback's knees when he's in the pocket and you can't obviously target him. Mm-hmm. But now that just falls under a different umbrella, basically, yeah. but with the same rules. Yep. So quarterback's in the pocket, you know, uh, Pepe Tanavasa is coming around the backside and he just lays into the quarterback's back on the blind side, form tackle, head up, right? Like you're supposed to. That's a sack, not targeting, correct? Yes. Okay, that's all I need to know. If he comes off of the edge and forcibly dies with the crown of crown of the helmet into his knee, that's an issue. That's targeting. Or sometimes, like you know, like when D ends are rushing and they'll grab and like they'll get like a paw on the on the quarterback's Swipe helmet the or something. Yeah. If you get a paw on the helmet, targeting. Okay, interesting. So. Not much of a rule change per se, but more the enforcement of the rule. Yeah, it's an enforcement. It's a it's a semantics change, really. But you know, obviously that you know ejection and get and half or like you know half of a game suspension that comes with it can be a huge factor. Yes, C twenty nineteen Fiesta Bowl, Sean Wade, Trevor Lawrence. Mm, that was that was still some bullcrap. That was some bullcrap. The game's <laughs> getting soft. We should take targeting out of the game. <laughs> um, next, some more NCAA news. Uh, transfer windows hmm? are now a thing. Okay, tell us a little bit about that, Jared. So, we've been kind of calling for this for a while. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. we haven't liked how players can just transfer whenever the frick they want. Right? Yeah. So, what happened is the NCAA is putting into effect windows in which players can transfer. So you can't just answer the transfer portal and leave um, whenever you want to or lose the starting job. So for fall sports, which is football, um, let's see here, a 45-day window beginning the day after championships selections are made in their sport. Mm-hmm. Now, which would be the college football playoff. Yes. So, But that's after the regular season has yeah. completed. Mm-hmm. Or May 1st to 15th, so usually after spring practice, which, like we say with, saw with da- Dave Aranda and Gary Bohannon, he didn't win the starting job, and so he allowed him to transfer to find a new home where he could start, USF. And I, that's great for the players, right? Mm-hmm. That's great for them. Um, but I also love how they can't just transfer during the middle of the season anymore. They have to wait, stick it out for the whole year. Uh, because I feel like that's what you should do. When you commit to a team, you should actually commit to the team. 
but yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it's going to be. So Perfect. I, honestly, I love that. I've, we've been calling for this for a really long time. It's not going to prevent coaches from recruiting transfers. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be like, I don't know, like, it's not going to stop poaching. I, I will say that. But it does give coaches the opportunity to not have to worry about retaining their players for much longer. You don't have to be on cleanup duty on all of the players that are thinking about transferring right away because they can't transfer. So you can dedicate maybe the last month or you can dedicate a time to actually sit down with them and say, hey, like this, the transfer window is about to come up. How are you feeling? You can actually talk to them instead of just getting blindsided by them when they like haven't even talked to you or something like that. So I think it's great for college football. I love it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think this will put a dent. I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to fix the problems that we've had with Transfer Portal and whatever, but it's going to put a dent in it. It's going to help significantly. The coaches, like you said, will only have to worry about that at certain times. They're not going to constantly be having to make recruiting pitches to their kids. Um, the next thing that I want to see fixed by the NCAA. Let's hear it. Targeting. You gotta go yellow card, red card. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have you have to be able to issue Absolutely. a warning that still has a fifteen yard penalty, but like if a player ducks his head, you give him a warning. Unless it's malicious, then you give him a red, right? Bring spearing back. <laughs> the spearing penalty. Yeah. Okay. But like you need to have a warning, right? Yes. You can't just throw these guys out because they make one mistake. Yeah. If it's malicious, obviously you toss them. Yeah. Um, secondly, I do not like the early signing period. Because it gets coaches fired before the season is over. Yep. Because the ads want to have the new head and co- the new head coach in place before December rolls around, right. so they can at least get some of that recruiting class. Um, but those two things, I don't know if they'll fix anytime soon. But these changes are kind of taking a step towards those two things. I do hear the early signing period is next. Like in all the in all of the coaches' meetings, they're all talking about it, and they all want it gone. Good. Good. I think that will. Fix a lot of the situations like in Ted Lasso, where you just play out the rest of the season in half-empty stadiums and nobody cares. <laughs> now that's enough NCAA talk. We, let's stop talking about that dumb, corrupt organization. Mm. And let's cue the music, baby. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's BYU Game Week! Let's go! My voice absolutely cracked while I was doing that. <laughs> this Saturday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, BYU is traveling and will be playing the USF Bulls in Tampa, Florida. That's a bull. That's a bull. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be, well, it's obviously the first game, but it's going to be an exciting game. Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, a lot at stake here, per se, but there's also a lot swirling this. We'll get into it with the uniforms, injury reports, stuff like that. Uh, just some information for you as we get started into our game preview. 2 p.m. Mountain on ESPNU. BYU, 12-point favorite, so says Vegas. Over under 58.5, so not a super high-scoring game, but it's up there. Yeah, it's... That's okay. I mean, that's a decent game. That's a, that's a good game. That's yeah, it's sure. exciting. Not a world beater. You know, it's not the Red River rivalry, no. but it'll still be fun. Yeah. Um, SP Plus, Bill Connolly's. Uh, I used to not put a lot of stock into this until he projected BYU would win by like 
in the bowl game last year. And I was like, are you kidding me? We're playing UAB. And then UAB beat us. And I was like, mm, maybe he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, he projects us to win 37-20, to 20, cover the spread, under hits. Cover the spread by more than a field goal. So that's like a pretty significant cover on that. Mm-hmm. That is what I want to see. But before we get into like our, our you know, the score prediction. Jeez, I don't know why I had that big old brain <laughs> right there. Before we get into our score predictions and everything, we're going to go through a little bit of a breakdown of the game. We've already talked about uniforms, but we'll touch about that. Injury reports, scouting reports. Let's dive into it. But first, some breaking news. Oh, breaking news. I mean, really, really not that breaking. Oh, but okay. the BYU equipment truck is already on the way to Tampa, and it is only 700 miles away as of two hours ago. So it could be... Wow. It could be like two hours away from Tampa right now, for all we know. And when you're listening to it, it's probably... <laughs> oh, it's already there by the time you're listening to this. We probably should have just said that. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> but good news. They're safe. They're, they're sound. Safe. The equipment is there. Uh, unfortunately, the Navy is still intact. Mm. But you got to wear something, I guess, right? Dude, Can't what if... play nude. What if... It's too close to tan. <laughs> That's the reason. That's the reason. too close to tan. <laughs> what if they played in all white? Just no stripes at all. No stripes, no helmet decals, just all white with just like numbers in black. <laughs> we would look like those like old photos from like the 1920s <laughs> and stuff when you know these guys that just got back from serving a term in you know World in the War, first World War, War. <laughs> are like coming back to play football with their leather caps and whatnot. <laughs> uh, we'd look like the Jazz. That's what we'd look like. <laughs> we would look like the Jazz. Um, but the uniforms they are going with, uh, we talked about this a little last time, but we do want to cover it again. It is important, okay? BYU is wearing all white with navy trim. Mm-hmm. Justin, I know we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about this? I'm feeling okay about it uh, now that I've looked into it and found some nuggets. Oh, let's hear them. First nugget, since 2011, BYU has worn this uniform combination in four season openers. Okay. BYU is 3-1 in those games. Okay. One more nugget, BYU has won its last two games in this uniform combination. Okay. So it's on a little bit of a hot streak. Okay. I do not like the fact that it is the uniform we were wearing when we lost at USF when Jaron Hall got concussed. I do not like that. That is bad juju 100%. But I don't think it'll happen again, and I think it will be okay. Uh, I also think it will be okay. Um, This just in for us. uh, USF just released their uniforms. Breaking Um, news. They're, they're just going with the classic look. It's nothing too... Yeah, nothing too special. Nothing too special. They're just going with the green top, gold uh, helmet, gold bottoms. The shoes are kind of cool. They got like the little, uh, I don't even know, sawtooth edge there. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, I think BYU wins the uniform matchup. Okay. Which is probably the most important thing. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I don't like the, the recent history against USF in this. However, we can't do anything about it. We just have to see what happens. Knock on wood... Jaron Hall stays healthy, and we win. Speaking about health, Ooh. let's talk about the injury that was a report. Good transition. There's a little bit of an update on the injury report. I honestly don't remember if we mentioned this last episode, but Isaac Rex is back. Hey, he's back. He's back, <laughs> fully healthy, and expected to start on Saturday. All right. We like that. Uh, I feel like now, like recently, the last couple of days, whenever the coaches are asked about a certain player's health, 
They're like, oh yeah, he's Isaac Rex is back though. Yep. Be ready for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's Pukunaku doing? Oh, guys will play. Isaac Rex is back though. He's he's back. You like him, right? So, um, Isaac Rex is definitely back. Uh, however, A Rod did say that one or two of his weapons are questionable for Saturday. Who do we think it is? My guess is Gunner. Okay. Just because Gunner has a history of being injured, Puka like wasn't injured last year, but like was kind of injured. T- had an acclimating period. Um, was working through just the later stages of injury recovery. But Gunner, I feel like is constantly injured. So I'm going with Gunner. All right. Honestly, it could be Gunner or it could be Puka. Gunner did go on a radio show with uh, I can't even remember the guy's name right now. The KSL guy for from Mitch Harper? Was it that guy? Uh, yes, Mitch Harper. Okay, that's exactly. We're rolling with it, Mitch. We're rolling with it. If it wasn't him, then oh well. It was, it was Mitch Harper. Okay. Well, <laughs> at least Mitch Harper reported the news. Gotcha. That Gunner Romney feels okay. He wants to go. He hopes he can go, but it is not his decision. It is the, it is the decision of the coaching staff, the sports scientists, and the trainers. Which obviously, you get it. You don't want, of course, like. As a player, if you're hurt, you want to play. Right. And you will put yourself in harm's way to be on the gridiron. But, you know, we have to keep him for more important games. Right. Like next week, home versus top 10 Baylor. But I got a conspiracy. Oh, I love this. Buckled in. They keep saying, they're putting it out there, right? Oh, Puka and Gunner are hurt. Okay. Why did the BYU reporters ask specifically about Puka and Gunner? They had been held out. Sure. Yeah. Sure, they had been held out. But other players had been held out too. Down Holker, for example. Other players had totally been held out, but they didn't get asked about. Now, in every single picture that BYU has posted previewing the game or yeah. like announcing the game, it has had one of three people in it okay. or a combination of these people Cody Epps, yep. Chase Roberts, yep. or Keanu Hill. The three backup, or I guess Keanu's a starter, but yeah. two backups. Three wide receivers other than Puka and Gunner. Every single post, no variation at all whatsoever. <laughs> I think that they are trying to throw you as F off, throw the media off, throw everyone off, and shove these three wide receivers down our throat so much until we just stop asking about Puka and Gunner that when they show up, we'll all be like, oh my goodness, it's insane. <laughs> but they were planning to play him the whole time. <laughs> that or one other thing. Puka and Gun- Gunner's finally healed and has been, has been able to mess with Jaron Hall more. Puka's back, has been able to mess with Jaron Hall more, and actually knows the offense this time. Jaron Hall has said that the offense is fully installed and that he's excited about it. Maybe Puka actually knows his routes this year. Whoa. He didn't know his routes against Baylor, as Aaron Roderick has admitted on air. Maybe they just don't want Baylor to see a Puka that knows his routes until <laughs> they play him. So, I don't know. Those are my conspiracies. I just think that BYU is purposefully playing a game putting those three, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps, and Chase Roberts on every Instagram post. I actually like where you're going with this. I The interviewers, they're plants. Those questions are planted. Why do you think BYU got rid of all of the outside media reporting on BYU, brought Greg Rebell in from KSL, brought, you know, basically internalized sports center for BYU. They took the outside media out so that BYU hired media would cover the team so they can plant questions. It's beautiful. It's incredible. <laughs> and the best part about this too, this will bleed into the Baylor game. Oh yeah. And they're going to be doing the same kind of stuff. 
this is a competitive advantage. This Maybe is games we ask about Jaron Hall. They're going to ask, uh, we saw that Jaron Hall was limping a little bit after the last game. Do you have any plans of getting Jacob Conover more sta- more you know, more snaps? And then Baylor's going to go, oh, Frank, we got to prepare for Jacob Conover now. But Jaron Hall was going to start the whole time. I like this. <laughs> this is now, uh, this is, I, I was very worried about all this injury news, but I'm not anymore. I'm no. fully bought into the conspiracy. I, I love it. Um, let's get into our scouting report of the USF Bulls. Last year, they were pretty bad. Not great. They were 2-10. However, they did almost make it a game with BYU. Yeah, they, they scored like 21 points in the fourth quarter or something. Or yeah, the second half. that is unacceptable. Now, Jaron wasn't playing, but Baylor's a good quarterback. Like it, the, Baylor doesn't play defense. Um, but uh, they returned 86% of production. Uh, which is pretty good. That's top five in the country. Um, and number then, three, actually. Number three. Top three in the country. There you go. Tied with BYU. Uh, but they do have the 32nd ranked transfer class in the nation, headlined by Gary Jerry Bohannon, uh, who will be starting at quarterback. So I heard national media call him Jerry Bohannon, so I was, yeah. I, I was convinced that's how it was. Yeah. But then the head coach of USF in his press conference said Gary. Garrett, so it is Gary. The Maybe. debate is settled? No, because national media is still saying Jerry. Who do we believe? I don't know. What did the game notes say? <laughs> they said G-E-R-R-Y. I'll have to ask Greg on that. Greg, Greg will know. Yeah, ask Greg. Yeah. Ask Greg. I'll get an update to you. Uh, maybe not before the game starts, so <laughs> we'll just see. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, here's a quote from Kalani Satake regarding USF. They have some new bodies and some new players. I wonder if those bodies and players are like. Why did he say bodies instead of players? That's that's oh. interesting, right? Like cadaver lab, maybe. Maybe I, like in the blind side when underneath the Tennessee <laughs> field. <laughs> BYU has oh. to watch out. It's gonna be hands grabbing them. <laughs> All these bodies. <laughs> um, they have a lot of talent. I think they have a really really good coaching staff. They will have their guys ready. We have to be ready and make sure we are performing at our best. I 100% with Kalani on this one. You cannot overlook this team. I don't care what their record was last year. They're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Aaron Roderick has said as much. I don't have the exact quote up right now. I forgot to copy and paste it in. But Aaron Roderick did say that this is not a team that you want to look past. He admitted to looking a little bit past UAB last year. The entire team did. They were not mentally in that game 100%. He said that he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that the team is 100% in on this game. Another person that's saying that is Peyton Wilgar. Ooh, here's a fun little quote from Peyton Wilgar that I saw when he was talking about the game last year when USF put a ton of points up on him and physically dominated them in the third and fourth quarter. Peyton Wilgar said, quote, We need to play BYU football, and that's four quarters of tough physical football. We have a chip on our shoulder, and we want to build on last year. End quote. I like that. That is what I want to see from BYU in this game. Our talent is better than their talent. I think anyone you ask will say that. Yep. We need to prove it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see us getting cute, running like toss sweeps to the slowest player on the field. I want us to line up, put Chris Brooks or Lopini Katoa or Jaron Hall. I don't care. Blake Freeland, put him at running back. I want quarterback. at quarter. Hey, he played quarterback he's in high school. Quarterback, yeah. Okay, okay. I want to see our offensive line absolutely dominate USF. 
Justin has a weird look on his face. What are you thinking? Fumble Ruski. <laughs> but Blake Freeland picks it up, and it was fumbled backwards, so it's technically Ooh. like backwards pass. Blake Freeland throws a dart down the down the sideline to Jaron Hall. What if they did like a tackle eligible pass, like a screen, you know, <laughs> a screen to the and tackle, it's backwards, and, the and then Blake, <laughs> yes, his fingers are all taped up, and he <laughs> throws a duck to the end zone. Um, I will say, uh, that would be fantastic. Um, the weather is going to be hot. Yep. It is going to not only be hotter than it has been in Provo the last couple of days, which is saying a lot. It is going to be humid. Oh, yeah. It is going to be humid. I've been looking at the weather. The humidity is around like 65 to 70% most days. Uh, Justin is looking it up right now. Yes, I am. Uh, humidity is expected to be uh, 70% on oh, Saturday. Oh, my goodness. With a 90... Uh, so we're kicking off at 2 p.m., right? Yep. Well, so, uh, 4 p.m. Oh, I guess, Eastern. yeah, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're, we're expected to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 89 degrees with scattered thunderstorms. Ooh, rain delay? I, this seems like, you know, the afternoon game in Florida on ESPNU that gets delayed for three hours. Yep, that's, this, that's exactly what this game is going to be. It, it kind of feels like that. Um, but. Playing in the rain. Playing in the rain. Can we do better than what we did against Boise last year? Yes. I've had a change of heart on Lopini Katoa. Okay. Tell you what. I, I would like to hear this. I've wa- I've rewatched some of his old film, right? Okay. I've watched the way that he runs in games, and he was faster than Tyler Algier. Yes. He was a completely different running back. Comparing them would be absolutely ass. Different skill set. Exactly. I looked at those fumbles. I mean, and then I looked at, you know, he had his, like, true blue recently. with The deep blue? Yeah, yeah the deep blue. Yeah. He had the, had the deep blue recently, and he's talking about some, like, family struggles he was going through that might have prevented him from playing at his best last year. I think that he is a great player who just had a rough year, and I think he's going to come back with a vengeance this year and hold that RB2 spot with a fire, and he is going to contribute greatly to this team, even in rainy Florida. See, I like what you're... I, I love what you just said, because I... Going into last season, I thought Lopini Kato was a better back than Tyler Algier. 2020, he showed out, played really well. He's scrappy. He's slippery. I think that's probably his best aspect is that he's slippery. Like, he's not like a Tyler Algier hard to take down. Like, you can't just go tackle an elephant, right? It's like trying to tackle a leopard or a cheetah, right? Not because Lopini is fast as a cheetah, but because he's, like, slippery. Like Yeah, he fell into, like, a vat of Crisco or something before. Exactly. Exactly. Um, during the Utah State game last year, there was a run where he bounced off, like, four five people and the only way they brought him down is they grabbed the back of his jersey and just held him there until they could get a gang tackle um but yeah i agree and i think one of the things that i want to see from this game is chris brooks and lopini katoa both rack up close to 100 yards each like i want to see our running game i want to see 200 plus in the run department this game Oh, I don't want to see close to 100 each. I want to see well over 100 each, or at least a grand total of 350 rushing yards. Wow. That's split, up, <laughs> split up between the running backs and Jaron Hall, though I do not think Jaron Hall will be running a lot in this game to preserve his health. Right. I think that is one of our keys to victory. We have to dominate the line of scrimmage, especially if we do not have Gunner and or Puka. We do have a more than capable wide receiver core that we can still pick apart their defense with. Yes. I'm not saying that that is not capable. 
but it will take a lot of pressure off of Jaron Hall and those young wide receivers if we can just dominate the line of scrimmage, bleed the clock, run 15 play drives into the end zone, taking 10 minutes off the clock. And I think we have the talent to do that, and I really hope we do. Yes. Uh, on offense, I 100% agree. On defense, my key to the game is get to the quarterback. We, BYU, we were not good last year. I'm just going to say it. We did not pressure the quarterback enough. We drop eight, right? And that's that's fine. But you need to be able to at least get some sort of pressure with three. You can't just expect our guys to hang out for ten seconds or seven seconds and defend uh, defend the pass. So my key to success on the defensive side will be kind of like Justice dominate the line of scrimmage, but more so you need to get to the quarterback, force him to make quick decisions, force him to make decisions faster than he wants to, um, and let our secondary do what they do best, and that is completely locked down, giving our D-line time to get to the quarterback. Yeah, as Jared was saying, uh, I just looked up our college football team sack percentage. Out of 130 FBS teams, we ranked 113th. So that's terrible. That's awful. We <laughs> need to be better, and I do think we will. I do think we will have a legitimate pass rush this year, as I do think our cornerback and safety coaches trust our guys to go man-the-man, I think our linebacker core is back, so I do think there will be a lot more pressure. Uh, now, maybe to finish off the BYU game prep, we'll yep. get to our predictions later. For sure. Um, what do you? What will you have your eye on? What are? What is going to decide the game? Like, what aspect of the game will be most important um, to deciding who the victor will be? For me, it's got to be taking care of the ball on our end. Okay. Because I do think this will be a long game where both teams are running the ball a lot, especially if it's raining. I don't even know if there's going to be 200 yards of passing on both sides of the ball. Maybe there will be. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this one. But obviously, if we are doing these long drives like we did against Boise State, but then turning the ball over at the end of them instead of scoring, that will lead to a loss much akin to the Boise State loss. So taking care of the ball and dominating the line of scrimmage are my two keys to what will decide the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I probably lean more on the line of scrimmage um, just because BYU should dominate it. Mm -hmm. if, if you watch the game early, you're watching in the second quarter, and BYU is getting pushed off the ball on defense, and on offense they're struggling to establish a run game, you know BYU's in for a long game. It's going to be a long year. It's going to get hairy. Yes, it could be a very long year for... One of the best old lines in BYU history can't even get a push on USF. The second thing that I'm going to look for is the play calling. Okay. I don't think we are going to show very much, and I don't think we will have to show very much. We play Baylor next week, and we play Oregon the next week. We don't want to put a ton of stuff out for film, but I don't think we should pull Utah State and come out only running three plays and then give up 14 points to UConn in the first quarter. So I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to the play calling and see how aggressive, how fancy, how cute we want to get um, because I don't think we should have to. But if we have to, we better do it because I don't want to end up like Utah State being in a game in the fourth four-point game in the fourth quarter with USF. I want to cover the spread in this game. Spread is 12. I do want to make sure we score more than that. But fans, please do be aware this might be an ugly close game. Now I'd like to read a good point from our good friend Mark Stroud. 
Been on the program before. Love him. Very active Instagram user. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Exactly. Alabama fan. Sent us this DM. BYU just needs to win. They do not need to blow USF out. We beat Utah last year after an ugly win against a trash Arizona team. The boys will be 100% up for the Baylor game as long as we win regardless of the score. And I agree with that. Week one is always ugly. You're This is the first time you're playing somebody other than yourself in more than 230 days. That's crazy. It is insane. BYU, uh, college football has an insanely long offseason. Anyway, it might be ugly. Hold to the rod. Do not <laughs> let go. Do not go to that pretty spacious building over there just because BYU does not cover the spread in this game. I do think they will, but if they don't, do not fear. I I agree. Um, I w- like my instinct is to agree but say... I still want us to at least show dominance. Even if we don't win by that much, I want us to, in at least a couple drives in the fourth quarter, like exert our dominance, right? Cool, yeah. But that didn't really happen in the Arizona game. We gave up 10 straight points, kicked a field goal, and ended up winning the game, you know? Because and, they missed two field goals. Right. So, it, like we said at the end of that game, we were not happy. It no. should have been a two-point game, really. But then we went and beat Utah, who's a very good team, the next week. So I see we're an all right team. That okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, but I see what Mark's saying, and I do agree. But I, if BYU doesn't cover the spread, I'm still gonna be sweating it. One last nugget before we move on from this game. Jeff Scott, a head coach of USF, mm-hmm. in his press conference gave his opening, his like you know opening talk, you know, and then opened up opening remarks. For yes. que- yeah, gave yeah. his opening remarks and then opened up for questions. Okay. Guess what the very first question that was asked was? Why do you have a bogey on your face? The very first question asked was, how are you preparing for the advantage that BYU has with older players that have served a two-year mission? (laughs) The very first question. Classic. Reporters need to sit there. (laughs) They're not training for two years. They are losing two years. They are not gaining two years. As two return missionaries, we can tell you, missions are not good for your health. They are not good for your athletic build at all whatsoever. (laughs) So, shout out to dumb reporters asking the same question that's been asked 10 million times over and over again. But Justin, they're just so much more mature. Jaron Hall is a kid. His perspective on the game is just so much different. Well, guess what? If it was that much of an advantage... Other teams would do it. <laughs> They'd send their kids on two-year gap years where they train or something. I don't know. But nobody else does it because it's not an advantage. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Any parting thoughts about USF? We, like we said, we'll predict the game later. We'll give our projections, kind of what we see the game going as. Um, but anything else that we you'd like to mention beforehand? Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at LoyalToRoyalPod for the fire meme that will come out after we blaze the USF Bulls. Absolutely. Um, on that same line of thought, uh, I will be in Tampa <laughs> doing an internship with Greg Bell, broadcasting <laughs> the game on BRU Radio. Uh, check for my little, I'm going to do little uh, Instagram vlogs like I'm a 15-year-old uh, high school kid. 
Uh, and it, like you know, like the beginning of Spider-Man: Homecoming, that's gonna be me. Yeah. I, and I'm gonna do it in Tampa. I'll give you guys updates on the weather, on the vibes of the place. Uh, you'll probably see me get yelled out while I'm doing one. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting. If your hotel room's air conditioning is nice, ooh, that's gonna be huge. That's gonna be a huge not, one in Florida. Sleeping dog. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. Obviously, I'm not gonna be doing it while I'm actually at the game, but before the game, after the game, I'll give you these updates. Of course, you know you had to say that on air for Greg so that Greg wouldn't know. Right. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, let's get into our college football preview because this is the first week of real college football. It is time, baby. It's time. But first, a quick ad. You got me excited. This episode of the Royal Strong and True podcast is brought to you by IHOP, the international house of pancakes. We're not talking about the IHOP you see on the street, though. We're talking about a concept that we are creating in our own minds. And anybody is welcome to take this idea and then sponsor the Royal Strong and True podcast as our commission. It's a pancake house run entirely by offensive linemen. Offensive linemen that have recorded pancake blocks in their careers. You can order as many pancakes as you want, but there's a challenge. For every offensive lineman that's there, their career pancakes like pancakes in a game if you can eat more than that then you win a prize or something i don't know like, <laughs> i don't know something like that maybe you get to line up and one on one and one of them i was gonna say if you eat more pancakes than they have you get to be pancaked by them yes! after you eat that many so you throw up you stand there just in an athletic stance and they come and shove two hands straight into your chest lift you off the ground and slam you on your back the International House of Pancakes, brought to you, or yeah, brought to you by Royal Strong and True, and also Royal Strong and True, brought to you by the International House Ooh, of Pancakes. I like what you did there. Yeah, both. Well, that was something. That was something. I think I say that after every single ad, but they're all something. I would love to get pancaked by Blake Freeland. Could you imagine that? That'd be like a spiritual experience. Blake Freeland, if you're listening to this, you have a free invite to come on the show and just pancake block me yep just on air pancake block me we'll film it i'll sign a release or something that says that you're not <laughs> responsible for any bodily injury like i will sign anything you want just come pancake me we, we gotta throw a gopro on you and on him and then get like a drone shot Ugh. like the usfl yeah <laughs> um all right so college football week one is here week zero was exciting we had some good games we had some snoozers uh, it was college football at its best. It was college football, baby. It, it was amazing. Nebraska lost. That's when you know we're really back. In, yeah, we're back in we're college back. football, baby. <laughs> um, but now we have week one. And let me tell you, if you thought week zero was exciting, five straight days from the day you are listening to this, Thursday till Monday, you have at least one college football game that is worth watching. Kind of wild. It, it's ridiculous. Kind of freaking wild. So we're going to go through the slate. We're going to talk about some things we want to learn. We're going to talk about what games catch our eye. And we are going to move on after that to our Tipsy 10 picks. Classic. Which you helped us out with. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's just start. Uh, let's. Week one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot known. No. We know that Nebraska has not changed. Yeah. We know that Pat Fitzgerald, it's an even year for Northwestern. So watch out. Mm-hmm. We also know Vanderbilt is a CFP contender. That we do. What more do you want to learn from week one of college football? Obviously, we want to learn about BYU. 
what does BYU look like this year? Is the is the preseason hype valid? Yes. Is BYU going to live up to it? I think they will, but I want to see that. There are a few other teams I'm kind of curious as to what's going to happen. We got Oregon playing Georgia. How is Oregon going to compete with Georgia? That will probably tell us a lot about our chances at Oregon. Same thing with Notre Dame playing Ohio State. Notre Dame travels to the shoe. How do they compete? Are they anywhere in Ohio State's ballpark? My guess is not. But if they are, does that concern us for later in the season? So it's just kind of selfish things that pertain to the rest of BYU season. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see if maybe a directional Michigan school upsets a random school as they do in week one. That that would be very classic last year. West, it was Western Michigan at Pitt, yep. if I... Not mistaken, and yep. also then Pitt went on to win the ACC. So uh-huh. maybe the team that loses to a directional Michigan this year will win their conference. We got Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, which, by the way, uh, this is on the uh, weekend watch guide, which is a must for this weekend. You must go to royalstrongandtrue.com, go to the weekend watch guide page, find it. It will also be on my Twitter at Jared Buckeye. It will be on the Royal Strong and True Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod. Um, that game, 2016, Central Michigan went to Boom Pickett Stadiums and beat Oklahoma State. On a wild Statue of Liberty Hail Mary. It was amazing. It was incredible. I remember, I remember seeing this matchup when I was first doing my research for week one, and I was like, wait a second. And I unlocked that memory in my brain that was hidden away. I was like, Central Michigan, Oklahoma State, they played in 2016. That was my senior year, and they ended up winning. It was wild. It was wild. I, I would watch out for that game. Also... Nugget about that. Oklahoma State last year, all of their non-con games were one-score games. They beat an FCS opponent by seven. They beat Tulsa by like four. And then they beat Boise State by one. So it's not like this team last year, who was super good, is unbeatable. So watch out for that one. That one's going to be on... uh, Remind me, I think that's Thursday. Uh, Thursday, 5 p.m., Fox Sports 1. On FS1. So watch out for that game. Some things that I want to learn... Uh, obviously, like you said, Oregon and Notre Dame, that's going to tell us a lot about how hard BYU's schedule will really be. If Oregon shows up, if they play physical against Georgia, that's a problem for BYU. If Notre Dame has some somehow reached so far somewhere where the sun don't shine and pulled out an offense that is capable to keep up with Ohio State, that's bad news for BYU. But apart from that, I, more than learn, I want to experience what college football is. Yep. The games that I'm looking for, or looking to for that experience, one, West Virginia at Pitt. The backyard yep. brawl, uh-huh. it's back. That one is going to be wild. Second, Penn State at Purdue. I, that one, the Boilermakers had a good season last year. Penn State is supposed to be an underrated team. Look for that one to be good. And lastly... UNC at App State. That game, 10 a.m. on ESPNU. If you want to know what college football is and why it's better than the NFL, watch that game. That atmosphere will be one of the best atmospheres we will see the entire year. One game that we cannot forget about on Friday that is huge for our Duke overpick. Ooh! Temple at Duke. (laughs) Week one. This is one of the games that we said Duke would need to win for their over the hit. We took the over. That is huge for us. That's a match made in heaven right there. Temple and Duke. 
Another game I am extremely intrigued by. I cannot wait to wake up Saturday, watch this game at 10 a.m. NC State at East Carolina. East Carolina will be better this year than they were last year. NC State, very conservative offense that sometimes makes some boneheaded decisions. Can East Carolina pull off the upset in uh, ju- uh, just talking TTYP's favorite home stadium that apparently has the best uh, home atmosphere in the nation? Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually excited because I do want to see what East Carolina's home field advantage will be in this game. I have said that it is not going to be very good. I'm excited to see if I am wrong. And this just talking, what was it? STTP or something? Yeah, STTYP or something. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I'm excited to see if that's going to happen. Another question I have for you. What games do you think will be the most telling? And hmm. I think, uh, to to pose the question, rhetorically, I think Ohio State is going to blow the doors off of Notre Dame. Okay. But I don't think that is going to be a true picture. Like, I don't think that will give us a clear picture of what Notre Dame will be just because Ohio State is such a juggernaut and it is at the shoe. Yeah. What games do you think will be telling to us that will give us a clear picture of what these teams will be? Let me give you three games. Okay. First one I'm talking about is Arizona at San Diego State. Ooh. First game in Snapdragon Stadium. San Diego State is projected to be a Mountain West favorite. And Arizona, best one-win team in the nation last year. Are they getting better or are they going to get relegated to the group of five? That's a huge <laughs> one for me. Another one, Troy at Ole Miss. Ooh. Ole Miss. Will they be able to compete in the SEC West? Is, uh, sorry, what's their, what's their quarterback's last name? Oct. Uh, Osh- n- not the guy that beat out Jackson Dart. Uh, is he the real deal? Will Jackson Dart come in? Troy is notorious for giving Power Five teams struggles of a lifetime. Week one, week two. Just I think it was in 2015 or 2016. Clemson had to beat them on a last-second field goal. Yep, it was insane. They also played LSU a couple years earlier to a field goal game as well. Luke Altmyer. Luke Altmyer. Yes, that's it. Look out for that one. Last but not least, I'm going to give you one last Saturday game. Cincinnati. What are they without Desmond Ritter? Arkansas. Are they as good as people are saying they are this year? And is KJ Jefferson the real deal? Will BYU truly have to be worried when they come to town? Give me Cincy at Arkansas at 1.30 p.m. on ESPN. That one I also have my eye on. This is a narrative game for me. Cincy, the narrative is they lost all of their good players. Now they have to start another four-year rebuilding cycle. Yep. Luke Fickle obviously thinks that they can reload, right? yep. but and this will tell us who is right. Arkansas, like you said, KJ Jefferson. Somebody today on College Football Live, can't remember who, compared Arkansas to Alabama, except Arkansas has a 230-pound quarterback. Now that is a wild statement. That is wild. That is wild. But that's the narrative about Arkansas, that they are a bully team and they are here to stay in the SEC. So I'm excited for that one because of the storylines. Another storyline game that I have my eyes on is Houston at UTSA. That's a huge one. UTSA, as we know, the... They They almost went undefeated last year. They were one of the best G5 teams by far. They were dominant. And then there was Houston, who won 11 freaking games in a row last year and is projected to be one of the best, if not the best, G5 team this year. That game, 
That place is going to be rocking. We already know UTSA packs the Alamo the Dome. Alamo Dome. And Houston, just a you know, couple hours down the road, they're coming into town. These two teams, though it's a G5 matchup, 1.30 on CBSSN, that is must-watch television. That is going to be huge in determining the G5 New Year's Six race. I think it's going to be an incredible game. UTSA is not going to be as good as they were last year without Sincere McCormick, but I do think this is a huge statement game for Houston. Who truly are they? Uh, before we get to our Tipsy 10 picks, are there any other games that we do not have on our Tipsy 10 that you would like to shout out? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's give a quick shout out to um, uh, Texas State and Nevada. Toilet bowl game right there. And a shout out to Middle Tennessee at James Madison. James Madison playing their first ever FBS game. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, something that raised my eyebrow. Virginia Tech at Old Dominion. The spread, yes. the spread is seven and a half. That is not what you expect when a Power Five team goes to play a G Five team like Old Dominion, who hasn't been relevant since Heineke. Let me tell you this though: the last time that these teams met was in 2019, and Virginia Tech won that game. But in 2018, <laughs> Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech. Whoa! All time, Virginia Tech has one more win than Old Dominion does. Wow! They're two and one. Oh, they've only played three times. Justin's like send up. Old Dominion won in 2018. Old Dominion is not a cakewalk. They were decent-ish last year. They're gonna get a little bit better. This is a scary game for the Hokies. This is a scary game for the Hokies, especially going to Old Dominion, where if you play an NCAA 14 before they fire you and you win 10 games, that stadium gets packed. It gets rocking. It gets rocking, baby. Now, <laughs> let's get a little bit tipsy. Ooh. We had a little too much Mountain Dew Major Melon mixed with Dr. Pepper. Oh, my, oh. baby, we spiked it. Let's get a little bit tipsy. <laughs> we got 10 games that we got to pick. All right, first game. This is... In my opinion, one of the headliner games of this season. Not only of this week, the season. It is the return of the Backyard Brawl. It's so beautiful I could cry. Let's clap it up for the Big 12 and the ACC right now. Thank you for letting this happen. This is awesome. Both administrations agreed that they would play a what? Home and home? A what? I'm not going to get into the BYU-Utah State thing right now. We're not, basketball doesn't exist right now. No. But West Virginia Pitt, I was watching the 07 uh, backyard brawl. First play of the game, the D-end, his name is Dingle. He gets into it with the left tackle. First play. The play went to the right. These guys are on the left side, and they're grabbing each other's helmets and throwing punches. This is what I want to see from this game. That's exactly what I want to see. Physicality, pure hate. I... I'm very excited for this game. This is going to be 5 p.m. ESPN, Thursday night. You must watch. I cannot wait for this game. Anything can happen in a rivalry game. Pitt is favored by 7.5 points. They are the 17th ranked team in the nation. But they did lose Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, a lot of other players. Mark Whipple, the OC. their offensive coordinator. <laughs> so, who do you have winning this game, Jared? I am going with West Virginia, baby. West Virginia? Give me country roads. There's uniforms they're wearing. Mm-mah. See, that that is a good use of Navy. Right. They 
can use navy. I'm upset though because they put the country road roadmap on the skull cap and not on the outside of the helmet. Okay, nice opportunity. That, but yes, but you're right. That's okay. Um, that that's that's a lesser sin than BYU switching from Royal to Navy yep. in the early 2000s. Um, I'm going with West Virginia for the reasons that you just mentioned. People are still high on Pitt for wh- why? I don't know. They lost their uh, like Heisman contender Kenny Pickett. Uh, the first quarterback taken in the 2021 NFL Draft. They also lost Bolitnikoff winner for best wide receiver in the nation, Jordan Addison. And they lost their OC, Mark Whipple. And now Pat Narduzzi wants to run the ball more. I'm taking West Virginia, even though I don't know too much about this West Virginia team with JT Daniels back. I think I'm going to take West Virginia. All right, that's a bold pick. He's, pick, he's picking the upset. Dan is going with the favorite team. He's going with Pitt. The fans, 76% of you, voted that Pitt would win this game. Okay. I got one message for you guys. Royal Strong and True Podcast, let's ride. Country Road! Yes! Take me home to the place where I belong! West Virginia! West Virginia is going to win this game, shock the world, in the backyard brawl. I love it. Let's freaking go. I'm so excited for this game. Now, this game's counterpartner on Fox, you're going to have to have two TVs because you don't want to miss in a second of action of either of these, is Penn State three and a half point favorites at Purdue. This game will be on Fox Thursday night. Here's my take on this. Okay. And it's a question for you. Okay. Does Purdue stand a chance because Penn State is not a top five team? That is an incredible question. One that I had not considered. <laughs> Purdue will play down or play up. When it's Penn State, are they playing down or playing up? That's a good question. <laughs> because if they're playing up, they'll win. But if they're playing a team lesser than them, they'll lose by 20. What is Penn State? Maybe that's the question we're supposed to be asked. Is Sean Clifford coming back even a good thing for this team? I think he's a good-ish quarterback. I'm going to pick Penn State. Okay. And let okay. me tell you why. Purdue does not come up with these dumb upsets until like mid-November. <laughs> that's when Penn, That's when Purdue gets its dumb upsets. I think Penn State is flying under the radar this year a little bit because mm-hmm. they, were, they did struggle tremendously in 2020. 2021 was a little bit better. Sean Clifford got injured. Sean Clifford got injured. I think that they will be locked and loaded for week one. I, I'm with you. I think Penn State is underrated. I also think Purdue is a little bit underrated as well. But the whole reason that I am picking Penn State in this game is because they are not ranked in the top five. Fair enough. If Penn State was ranked in the top five, I would choose Purdue. No questions asked. Not a second's hesitation. But because they're not ranked in the top five, I don't think Purdue can beat them. That's fair. Let's move to a different day of the week. We're out of Thursday, and let's move to Saturday, where we have at 8.30 p.m. on ESPN, Boise State taking on Oregon State. We got some Pac-12 after dark action with Boise State as a guest. Sorry, Boise City. Boise City. Bleep that. Bleep that out. And that did, please. (laughs) This game, I don't even know how to explain how excited I am for it. Oh? Now, in the morning on Sunday, my flight leaves... 
at 5.20 in the morning, which means I have to be at the airport at 4, which means I have to get up at probably 2.45, 3. Yeah, I don't know. Depends. Do you have transportation or is it public transit? I have no idea. That's... Okay. <laughs> um, will I be staying up to watch this game that will go from 10.30 Eastern to probably around the time I have to get up in the morning on Sunday? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you are. Boise State... We all know had a down year. Their worst year in 20 years. 7-5? and five, That's the worst year they've had since the 1900s, if you will believe it. Which says a lot about the program. But <laughs> a lot of good things about the program. Yes. Oregon State, I think, is way undervalued this year. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to push for a second tier in the Pac-12. In this game, I think I'm going to go... With Oregon State because they are the home team. I think this is an absolute pick em if it's on a neutral site. But because Oregon State is home, I'm going to give them the edge. I was going to pick Boise State in this game, but then I realized one thing. Remember, Oregon State demolished their stadium at the end of last year. True. And under the radar, without anybody knowing, they've completely reconstructed a new stadium. And it has sold out for this game. Woo! Oregon State is sold out. Going into a sold-out Corvallis, I'm sorry, you're just gonna, that, that's bad news bears. Yep. Boise State got off to a notoriously slow start last year and did not put it together yet, so give me Oregon State. I like that. I like that pick, obviously, because I went with it. <laughs> Dan also agrees he went with Oregon State. The fans, however, differ from us. They're going with Boise City. 53% of them. 53, so it's pretty close. Pretty I don't close. think we mentioned. 71% of them chose Penn State. Oh, yeah. And Dan also chose Penn State. So we definitely just brushed over that. Queen sleep of uh, Penn State. So you know what that means. They're Purdue's losing. winning. Yep. Same with Boise. Boise City is going to come and win this game. Um, favorite thing about Oregon State? When it's like third downs or whatever, they play the chainsaw. That's <laughs> That's me. Um, now let's move to 10 a.m. This game, we kind of talked about it a little bit. UNC at App State. Justin, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't even need to think. App State by 10. I think App State wins this game and wins it handedly. I don't think UNC is great this year. I think Mac Brown is in the Lee Corso stage of, dude, we get that you love this and they'll never fire you, but it's time to retire. <laughs> Give me App State. <laughs> I love that little analogy and I, it's very true. I think BYU killed Mac Brown. If I'm being honest, <laughs> unfortunately, I think that's that's the way He's, that it, it he went saw down. Taysom Hurdle and his brain broke. <laughs> um, so this game has been floating back and forth. UNC originally opened up as like I want to say like a three and a half point favorite. It was something like that. And then it came down to App State was favored by a point at one point. Now it's back to UNC by a point and a half. I am absolutely going with Appalachian State. Playing at home, Boone is going to be rock a locking. It's going to be insane. Give me the matinees over the Tar Heels. Next up, we have a very oh sorry sorry don't want to skip that. Uh, the fans, seventy two percent of you or seventy six percent of you chose UNC. That's that's a pretty resounding opinion. So that's interesting. And Dan betrayed his lo- his second love, Duke University, Daniel, by choosing the University of North Carolina. Dan. I don't know, maybe Duke's got this weird rivalry with App State that we don't know about. Hey, could be. All I know, this game is going to be absolutely rocking. This is going to be one of the atmospheres of the season. 
Hold on, I, I gotta check something really quick before we go. Uh, Duke and App State have never played before in football. So okay, we're chilling. Well, there you have it. Uh, let's say if UNC does win, Dan has to wear a UNC shirt. Okay. Let's do that. Deal. Um, Dan, you've agreed. Yep, Dan agrees. Uh, next up, we have one of the headliners of the weekend. And let's let's be honest. The two headliners of the weekend, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Oregon, Georgia. I don't think either of them will actually be that good of games. Uh, Oregon at Georgia, it's going to be, well, it's basically versus Georgia. It's a neutral site. Uh, 20 minutes down the road. In Atlanta. Yep. <laughs> so that's stupid. I uh, hate the SEC about that. Uh, Oregon comes in with a brand new head coach, Dan Lanning, former DC at Georgia. And they have uh, no Knicks, or uh, as some people call him, his actual name. Bo Picks. Bo Picks. I, like, I think I like that better than no Knicks. Uh, we are obviously not very high on Bo Knicks. But he comes in leading Oregon against Georgia. 130 ABC. Justin, where are you going? Mm. I am very surprised that I have not heard a team yet. Mm. I am very surprised. So here's the deal. Who knows Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense better than anyone? Mm, Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning does. True. Oregon does actually have the defensive line and offensive line to compete with Georgia's front seven. People forget Oregon okay. has an elite front seven. Not obviously not not the Oregon that played Utah last year, but yes. Anyway, Bo Nix, what does he do? Does he throw three interceptions or does he have a sicko mode game that he has against these top tier teams? Sometimes <laughs> I think Georgia edges it out. Okay, but give me Oregon significantly covering the spread. Okay, okay. See, with the spread being so big, I don't find it hard to bet Oregon. Especially because Georgia's not a team with an offense that's going to run up the score. Score a bajillion points. Exactly. However, I... My Bo Nix... Here's my Bo Nix thoughts. Because this game has nothing to do... For me. This game has nothing to do with anything besides Bo Nix. This is Bo Nix in a nutshell. He... We'll have one or two. Justin's giving me a fiery look here. <laughs> um, Bo Nix will have one or two plays a season, maybe a game, uh, where he looks like a phenomenal quarterback, especially in 2019 when he won Rookie of the Year in the SEC. He looked really good. However, we have gotten to know him a little bit more, and he's basically Spencer Rattler. Bo Nix... Will not win this game. If he does, I will barbecue a shoe and eat it. Okay. Now, 82% of the fans chose Georgia. So you guys are choosing Georgia. Uh, whoops, I accidentally <laughs> wrote that. Uh, Dan also is picking Georgia. I'm trembling a little bit. Cue the music. Sicko time, baby. What? I'm switching no. to Oregon. No, you can't. I'm switching to Oregon. It has not been. We have not moved on to the next game yet, so I can change. I'm switching to Oregon simply because I want BYU to be playing a top 10 team when we travel to Eugene. Okay, I I get your logic. I just don't see it. Give I don't see it. Bo Nix is going to have a sicko mode game where he throws for 450 yards on the Georgia defense and six touchdowns. I'm, we will say Bo Nix's first game was in the SEC's backyard. I don't remember where it was. 
Um, but they played Oregon in 2019 to open the season, and Bo Nix won the game for Auburn in that game. So I'm not saying it's out of question, but I just don't say, I do not believe in Bo Nix. Sicko mode, baby. Justin is very excited right now. Uh, I am very excited to see how this game turns out. Uh, I do not have the faith that Justin does. But I think it could be more interesting than people think. Let's move to the 1.30 ESPN slot. Okay. Where the Cincinnati Bearcats will be taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay. Cincinnati ranked number 23, Arkansas ranked number 19. The spread currently set at Arkansas minus 6. And Justin's dropping the decibels. Yes. Mm. Nice for the listeners and their yeah. eardrums. That's fair. Um, I'm taking Arkansas on this one, and I don't yeah. think it's going to be close. Arkansas's at home. That's pretty big. Because Cincinnati, I think, has a surprisingly good uh, for P5 teams, right? Us as college football know-it-alls, mm. uh, I guess you could label us. Or nerds, geeks, we'll take yeah. all of the above. Sure. Um, we know that Nipper Stadium is great, and yeah. it has a great home field advantage. But I think if Arkansas were going there, that could surprise them, right? As will Lavelle Edwards Stadium when they go there, and we're going to blow the door- doors off of them. I just don't think Cincy's going to be that good this year. They lost so much talent, and so much of their team last year was that really good talent. Desmond Ritter, uh, Sauce Gardner on the defense, along with a couple other draft picks. I just don't see it for Cincy. I'm taking Arkansas pretty handily in this one. Can you ask me a question, Jared? Yeah, what, what, what question? Ask me, if you, ask me if I think Arkansas is going to win this game. Do you think Arkansas will win this game? Yes, sir! <laughs> Woo! Pig suey! I'm going with Arkansas in this game. Uh, the fans agree, as does Daniel. The fans, 59%, so they see it a little closer. Yeah. I guess they're they're more divided. I'll say that. Yeah. Right? This is Rotten Tomatoes of college football pickums uh, that we're doing here. Um, but yeah, cross the board, Arkansas doesn't bode well for Arkansas. So we're doing Cincy a favor here. Yeah, we're we are. doing the world a favor, picking the SEC so that we jinx them. Exactly. Uh, we have another SEC game up next. This, I think, this is either going to be a close game in which the underdog wins, or it will be an absolute blowout. We're talking about numbers. Excuse me? Is that a seven? Yeah, that's no. a seven. Wow. I, I, am I reading the right thing? Yep. It's, it, it's football? Yep. Like 2022? Yep. Okay. Um, that's weird. Uh, Utah, three-point favorites, in the swamp, playing Florida 5 p.m. ESPN, prime time. Who are you taking in this one? Well, first, before I say that, Dan took Florida in this game, one of the first upsets that he's picking. The fans, 61% of you, voted for Florida. I would just like to disown the other 39% that picked the other team. I don't want to know you. You're a psychopath. Jared, you're going to have to disown me. No! I did not vote on that poll, (laughs) but in this picks, I'm going to have to go with the University of Utah. Here's what I think. I don't think Utah is the number seven team in the nation, but I also think that Florida is number seven in the SEC East. Florida, I do not think will be very good this year. I think Florida's really going to struggle. First year with Billy Napier, they did not have a great recruiting class. They had guys transfer out. Billy Napier, first time coaching in the P5 as a head coach. How's he going to do? His first chance is against a very veteran coaching staff in Kyle Whittingham and his crew. I think at the very least, Florida just gets outcoached. Give me Utah. Everything in my brain tells me to pick Utah. Not the not the little seven. I don't care about that. Get that out of my face. I, by principle, 
will never choose Utah to win a game. Ever. Fair. I You will never see that logo next to my Fair. name. Do I think Florida will win? Probably not. Okay. But am I going to choose the other team? No. Fair I'm enough. going with the Gators. Fair enough. Next up at 5.30 p.m. on ABC, we have Notre Dame, number five in the nation, also kind of a head-scratcher there, taking on number two Ohio State in the shoe. Ohio State favored by 17 points. Uh, now, this is another. This is basically like copy and paste from the Oregon-Georgia uh, game, <laughs> except instead of defensive focus, it is offensive focus. Ohio State is going to have... I'm just going to say it. They're going to have the best offense in the country, yep. barring like a Western Kentucky with Bailey Zappi that comes out of nowhere, right? Yep. Ohio State is going to be freakishly good. Notre Dame, we have no idea. Why are they ranked number five? Is it to give Ohio State a top five victory to start the year? Probably. As an Ohio State fan, probably. We were just looking at the 2007 season. Ohio State dropped to number seven after losing to unranked Illinois. Beat a low-ranked Michigan team. Number 23 in Michigan. And and jump from number 7 all the way back up to number 1. Wild. So, does Ohio State get like a little bit of SEC treatment? Absolutely. Does Notre Dame deserve to be ranked number 5? No. Hell no! Give me the Buckeyes by 50 in this one. Notre Dame is going to have their pants striped with poo-poo. And they're going to have to go to the tattoo cleaners and sell their golden pants so they can get a cleanup. That was a Troy Smith reference for anybody <laughs> who knows that. Give me, I'm choosing the Buckeyes if that hasn't been abundantly clear. Uh, okay, Dan chose Ohio State as well. 83% of the fans chose Ohio State. Again, 17% of you don't want to know you. <laughs> now, I think this game will likely be over by halftime. Ohio State by a million. Thank you. Like the, I'm, there's, I'm glad we could agree on this There's one. no chance. Ohio State, with a much improved defense this year, with Jim Knowles as their defensive coordinator, and an elite offense versus Notre Dame's great defense, not quite elite, versus and Notre Dame's like literally like Wyoming pee-pee-poo-poo offense. <laughs> I, the only reason I know a player on their offense, Tyler Buckner, is because he was on TV today. Yep. That's the only reason. They got nobody out there. Um, and at one point, they had Pine and Cone. True. Actually, that's true. They had Pine Cone. That was cool. They should have played like Wishbone, except with just two quarterbacks. They just played Pine Cone. That would be fun. Um, anyway, as an Ohio State fan, um, I got to talk about this game a little bit. I yeah. am worried. Now, this is kind of the same logic... Actually, I'd, it's not logic. This is battered fan syndrome. Okay. It's my BYU fandom bleeding over into my Ohio State fandom. Okay. Last year, Ohio State lost to Oregon at the shoe because they could not stop student body left. Right. That's why they went out and hired Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles is amazing. He's going to revamp Ohio State's defense. Um, however, this is the first game. I don't know if Ohio State will be ready for this game on the defensive side. Okay. Oh. Yes, Notre Dame has a pathetic offense, or at least we think it's going to be pathetic. I just, I get this sinking feeling that Oregon, like, I just, in the back of my head, flashes of the Oregon game are just popping into my head of the rubber ducky on the 50-yard line, and I just don't want to see, like, a little two-and-a-half-inch or two-and-a-half-foot, like, red-headed man 
and with a beard and a pot of gold doing a little jig on the 50-yard line in the middle of that block O. I'm still going to pick the Buckeyes, but there's that little image of a leprechaun in the back of my head, and I just don't want him laughing at me in my nightmares. <laughs> I have something that will help cure your nightmares. Let's As we I move on this. to this next game that is on CBS. Okay. Uh, fun fact that is actually not the CBS on uh, uh, sorry it's not the SEC on CBS theme it's just college football on CBS theme Mm. important distinction so they do use it for games like New Mexico State UConn like they'll use that music (laughs) at 1.30 on CBS Sports Network we have number 24 Houston Cougars favored by 4 points at the Alamo Dome playing the UTSA Dan picked Houston in this game, and 100% of the fans that voted chose Houston as well. Who are you taking? Uh, that's pretty crazy that the fans were unanimous on something that's not BYU related. Yeah. Uh, I find this one, I do think Houston is going to win the game. Okay, because I think Houston is going to be really good. I think they could be top 15, top 10 good. UTSA is going to put up a fight, though. I just don't think that they have the returning production to hang with Houston. Houston won 11 straight games last year. Won the bowl game. Really, really good team. Uh, UTSA also won 11 straight games last year. Um, they lose, however, Sincere McCormick, who was their rock toe in some uh, mascot. I don't know what you want to call it. He was a bowling ball. He was really good. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be an entertaining game, but I do think Houston is going to come out with the dub. I think Houston will come out with his dub as well, just because Houston plays a brand of football that is not compatible with UTSA. UTSA is a slow, grinded-out team, which only works if you can stop the other team's offense. Houston's offense will be borderline elite this year, will score points, and I don't think UTSA will be able to score enough to keep up. Give me Houston. This, again, this will be one of the top atmospheres of the weekend. Alamo Dome will be rocking. The UTSA, uh, their community and their student body they show up and show out for these games. Yes, they do. Now, let's move on to our last of the Tipsy 10. You know what time it is. We're picking the BYU game. Let's go. Uh, you already know all the information about this. We're going to get right to it. Damn Cougs. Fans, Cougs. 100%. Thank you. I, we don't have to block anybody on our social pages. Nope. So that's good. Um, Justin, what are your thoughts going into this one? I guess I know what you're going to say who's going to win. Sure. Why will BYU win this game? It is notable to to mention that Dan predicted BYU would win 34-16. to 16. Okay. So now that I've got that out there, I think BYU will win this game simply because they want this game. USF wants it too. They want a breakout game. They really, really want this game. But I think after what happened with UAB, maybe that was a blessing in disguise we are not looking past USF. We are looking out. We're looking to come out and impose our physical dominance on this team. I think we will. But I do think Gary Bohannon will have a good game. That's why I am predicting a victory of 37 to 24. Okay. Barely covering the spread, but covering it nonetheless. Okay. Okay. That's kind of like Bill Connolly. Just four points there. So very reasonable. Uh. I also think BYU wants this game more than USF does. USF obviously wants to pull the update, upset, defend their home turf. BYU wants to prove that we don't lose to 
G5 teams. Yep. I think that's what BYU's out to prove. We obviously couldn't do it last year. Uh, I think we, we are – there's blood in the water. We'll say that. There's blood in the water. We are the shark on Jaws, except when the police officer chief guy tries to shoot the cam in our mouth, we're going to be like, psych, it's a nuke, and spit it out and take him out. That being said, I worry that we are looking ahead to Baylor. Okay. I think BYU wants to win the Baylor game a lot more than they want to win the USF game because of what Baylor they they yeah, they manned. That's a revenge us. game. For they, sure. They destroyed us last year. And we want to not show a lot uh, for that game. We want to go into that game healthy, so I don't think we're gonna play all the guys that are on the fence. I still think we're gonna win though, and I think it's going to be a little more high scoring. I'm gonna go forty two to twenty for BYU. I like it. That concludes our Tipsy 10. Before we end the episode, Jared, do you have anything else you want to say before week one? Parting thoughts are thus. Do not hold yourself back when investing yourself emotionally and physically, you know, with whatever cheeses thou mayest have. Do not hold back in investing. I know it's week one, and I know that you're going to be like, okay, how many of these teams are actually going to be ranked by the end of the year? This is the time, ladies and gentlemen. It's the time. It is time. It's the time. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Also, check out the weekend watch guides. Uh, They'll be posted by the time this episode is out. It'll be on the Twitter, the Instagram. It'll be on the website. I am so Fetching excited for this week of college football. Every single day there's a good game. Game we didn't even talk about. Florida State LSU. On Sunday. On Sunday. You get college football on Sunday. How much of a blessing is that? I know you're going to say neither of these teams are ranked. Florida State is a dumpster fire. So is LSU. That is why it makes it such a good game. On Monday you get Clemson at Georgia Tech. The seal. No, sea lion. Excuse me. External ears. He chose Georgia Tech. Sea lion chose Georgia Tech. Trust the animal kingdom. Yes. I'm very excited for all five days of college football. I'll be watching literally as many games as humanly possible. So will Justin. So will Danny. Actually, Danny will probably be doing important things like applying to medical schools and stuff like that. Cool stuff. Yeah, real stuff that's important to his life. (laughs) Imagine not letting a college football team dictate your mood for 13 weeks straight. Imagine that. (laughs) What a knee slapper. Uh, We love you, Dan. Uh, Anyway, uh, do you have any party thoughts? Uh, No, uh, that's what I was going to say is uh, be ready to allow BYU football to dictate your mood for 13 weeks. Make sure your family and loved ones know. Those that do not watch football and will not understand why you are so moody after a BYU huge victory or a dumb loss. That will not occur this year. Nope. 12-0. But... Make sure they know what's going on. Make sure they know it's college football season. And remember, tell all your friends, if they got married, their reception is after football season. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm just so excited. I just can't bottle it in. We've been rambling for like 90 minutes now because we just <laughs> Has can't. it really been 90 minutes? <laughs> it's been 80. <laughs> That's how excited we oh are. Oh my goodness. But guess what? There's five days of college football coming up, baby. Let's go enjoy it. Let's have a blast. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are super happy we got to share this week one preview with you. Before we sign off, please hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at loyal2royalpod. Follow Jared on Twitter at Jared Buckeye. If you listen this far into the episode, please comment Yoda on our latest Instagram post. Yoda on our latest Instagram post. Make sure you're checking out the weekend watch guides. Jared works a ton on those and they are perfect for knowing what game is when and what relevance each game has to the BYU football season. Find that at royalstrongandtrue.com or on either of our Twitter pages. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up. Bye, guys. Goodbye now.